It's 160 days to Election Day. Are you registered to vote by mail? Today, Wendy shares her gardening knowledge and Robin talks with Dwayne Smith about relationships and conflict resolution. All this and more on The Leftscape! I'm Wendy Sheridan, and you are listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation. Hi, I'm Mary McGinley. And hi, I'm Robin Renee. And as always, we have three random facts for you, followed by the news. (laughs) Our first fact of the day is that on this day in 1987, U2 played in Rome so loudly that they set off earthquake alarms in two different neighborhoods. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. So they went past eleven. I think so. <laughs> and now I'm I'm I don't know what the the timing is, but now I'm wondering if Douglas Adams based his disaster area stuff on that. That's from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That's right. And we're recording this on Towel Day, actually. So happy, yeah, happy yeah. belated Towel Day. Happy yeah. Towel Day. <laughs> Fact number two: the hashtag symbol is technically called an octothorpe. According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the octo prefix refers to the eight points on the popular symbol, but the thorpe remains a mystery. One theory claims that it comes from an old English word for village, based on the idea that the symbol looks like a village surrounded by eight fields. That takes some imagination. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I can see it. I can see it. but. At the same time, I thought it was called a hashtag or a pound sign. Yeah, that's all I ever do. That's yeah. interesting. I'm waiting for that to end up on Jeopardy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because that's a real a real Jeopardy kind of fact. Mm-hmm. And for our third fact for the day is Mr. Tiz, who was born on the February 2nd, 1984, and died on the 30th of January, 2014, was a champion New Zealand thoroughbred racehorse. He is best known for his three consecutive wins at the railway stakes in Ellerslie, the country's premier sprint race for thoroughbreds. Mr. Tiz remains the only horse to have achieved this feat. I'm wondering, too, did Mr. Tiz ever come to America and run here i don't know but wasn't there a movie mr tiz goes to washington <laughs> <laughs> there should have been well there i want one now <laughs> what's Here's up in the news all the news we can handle well we have a, a rewind for a second uh-uh. yeah i wanted to think a little bit about our last show episode 80 First, I just wanted to correct myself. Time has had no meaning for so long. It's just really <laughs> weird. And I believe that I mentioned that Ahmad Arbery was shot in April, and that was February. So it was on Sunday, February 23rd. So it took a long time for the McMichaels to be arrested for that yeah. crime. And, that, and they were arrested on May 7th. So that it really was a much longer stretch than in my head I had. Yes, Somehow. even more even more egregious yes. than, than uh, 
than I had said, yeah. In reality, yes. Exactly. So I do want to correct that. And I was also just thinking a lot about the conversation that I had with Nicole Crystal and Ashley Shine. It was really, it was really interesting. And I like the fact that we have a lot of different opinions and perspectives, because as I said, like I, I was thinking more along talking about maybe mental health and strong personalities that wind up sort of in charge of some of our organizations and how that, how we manage different issues that crop up as a result. And the conversation that we wound up having, and I do still want to have that other conversation at some <laughs> point, but we talked a lot about, about racism and disparities within our organizations and other types of things that are hugely important also. And one of the things that Scott mentioned is age and activism and their thoughts, or at least I know that Nicole was talking about that it's not our job, like older people's activists, to decide things or to, or to, I mean, obviously, I don't think I feel like I want to tell people what to do about everything in their organizations or their, their choices. But I do think that people of all ages have a voice and should have a voice. Yes. And that was a great conversation. I, I really enjoyed listening to that. What you guys were talking about, at least in terms of of the age issues, that applies across the board outside of the whole activist sphere. And a lot of it felt like, I mean, I think you were discussing how at some point, if you've been in an organization for a very long time, some people start to expect a certain amount of reverence or acknowledgement of your existence, even though you may not have been doing much recently, kind don't of thing. Don't you know who I am? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you. The, the don't you know who I am thing. And also the unwillingness to let stuff go and let younger people take the baton. Oh, yeah. We do it this way because that's the way we always did it. Yeah. And, and it's, it, for example, in the science fiction convention community, the people running the conventions a lot of times are very reluctant to let younger people, the next generation, just take on that responsibility. And then what happens is the younger people say, well, all right, fine, we're going to do our own thing over here. And then, and then the original thing kind of just withers and dies. So it affects everything, I guess, and it's it's uh, it's just something that that you notice when. Yeah. No, I think that's true. I think that that can certainly happen also, and I and I don't want to. I definitely don't want us to say, "Well, we're just going to always do it the same way and forget any new ideas." You know, I think some of the newer ideas in progressive circles these days are 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 brilliant and really powerful and important. And I, you know, for one example we were talking a little bit about cancel culture and there's just there's a lot of different sort of categories you could go to but i feel like i also think it's relevant to say i might see this as an overreach in this instance and i don't think there's a reason that i sh shouldn't say that if i see that mm -hmm. you know i could be you know i could be ignored yeah. i could be but somebody <laughs> might hear it <laughs> and i think it might be i might be correct it might be maybe you know maybe it is just the time for a certain sort of vibe and it'll it'll change again but i don't i think we should be having the conversation across age and across cultures definitely. and all of that definitely 
you know. But anyway, it was it was definitely cool, and I think I want to talk more about all this stuff. Yeah, I haven't listened yet, but I hear that I hear that you've had a good conversation with our interviewee coming up after the news. Yes, Dwayne Smith is a really, really interesting multi-talented a very accomplished guy like his his bio i just gave him a short blurb in the bio which you'll hear and he does a lot which is which is pretty cool and impressive but of the things he's doing and he's got like a lot of projects happening we wound up talking about some advice he's got and a book project he's working on that has to deal with communication and dealing with conflict the main focus of which he got information and insight dealing with polyamory. So it's going to be an interesting, wow. you know, the it, the advice and his thoughts are for everyone, but that's sort of where he got inspired. And so it's going to, it's an interesting show and I'm looking forward to sharing that conversation cool. with everyone. Yeah. And after we talk with Dwayne Smith, we're going to talk about gardening because I've been geeking out over my garden this spring. So nice. So let's get to the news that we can deal with. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So how about the crowds in Memorial Day weekend already? It's been Uh, a little weird. (laughs) Yeah, we are recording this on Memorial Day itself. And I've been kind of looking with horror (laughs) at pictures of everybody gathering at different things everywhere. Yeah, I saw Ocean City, Maryland was really packed. Their boardwalk was packed. I just don't understand it. People are so anxious to get into a crowd. Why? I don't know. I saw the photos. There was a a race, an auto raceway in Greensboro, North Carolina. Well, that I understand because it's North Carolina. (laughs) That's what they do. But yeah, it, they, they opened. Don't insult our southern <laughs> listeners. Yeah, they opened. I guess phase two already, or something like that. But they got permission in Greensboro to open this raceway to spectators, and the stands were completely packed. And there were, I mean, the one photo they had, nobody was wearing a mask. And I had read over the weekend that there was a, a, a quick study done in Massachusetts last week or the week, you know, recently where they were, they took, I guess, a sample population and they did both the, the, the swabs and blood tests. So they did the swabs for active COVID infections and they did blood tests to look for antibodies. And they determined that 3% of the population in Massachusetts has been exposed to the virus, only three oh, percent. Wow. Which, that's that, room for growth. <laughs> it, it's terrifying. I mean, I, I, you know, the the numbers in our area, in the New York metro area, may be very different because we were an early hotspot. But who knows? But if it's really only three percent, they further went through this article and they were saying that kind of means that one in every 38 people is an asymptomatic carrier. And that's not good. No. Well, I mean, you just think about, you know, out of, you know, there's 38 people in your train car, Yeah. Uh, you know, and one of them could be infecting you. Uh, you know, it's like, what are the, it, it, I guess it's, it's something to do with how people 
are how they see risk and how they deal with risk assessment and what they consider to be acceptable and not acceptable. And I guess that's kind of what we're seeing now are all of the people who have decided that the risk or the the enjoyment of being at a sporting event or at the beach is outweighing the risk of catching this. Yeah, I think that's part of it. And I think another piece of it might be that, I mean, it's in the news, you know, but not as many people really hear the news as fully as some people do. Like we listen to like all the politics and all the news all the time, you know, (laughs) except for when we take breaks. And to some people, I think if the government is saying, okay, it's, it's okay to open up now, they may just take it as at face value. Oh, this bar is open. I'm going to go to it, you know? Mm, yeah. It could be that simple. And then there's the defiant people who are like so angry that, you know, how dare you say I need to wear a mask? It's, I'm, I live in a free country kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah. So that so there's that. <laughs> I think also the death is not real to them because these people who are dying are away in a hospital where no they can't see them. And it's just not real. Yeah. Yeah, that could be. I mean, I've, I, yeah. You have you have to experience it closer to your own circle before you start going, "Oh, something is happening." Well, uh, they're empathy deficient. Yeah, that too. Yeah. That's the sad thing is when you have to get it in their heads that it could be their mother or their their relative or their grandparents or their kid, and, you know, because they don't care if it's somebody else's mother or grandparent or kid. Yeah. Or, or wife or husband. Or they right? themselves. That's well, true. they well, they don't think they're they don't they don't believe everybody that, believes they're going to live forever. Well, they don't believe they're going to be affected. You know, they're saying, well, I won't get sick, you know, because I'm not I'm not old or I'm not this or I don't have this underlying condition. Whereas, you know, the the cytokine storm, which is the 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 part of the the, of fighting the disease is when your immune system goes into overdrive and tries to and basically is killing you. (laughs) It's like the disease and the and your immune system are kind of fighting over who's killing you first. And that's what puts you in the hospital is when you get that cytokine storm. And that is because your immune system is kind of overreacting. So it's like, does that mean you have a good immune system that's very powerful and that's going to end up kicking your ass? I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, we don't have enough experience with this disease to really have any definitive answers. And I guess that for me, that makes it more scary, Mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been having adventures trying to, well, making the list in my head of businesses I'm not going to go back to because they're not taking it seriously. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> you know? I mean, you have, like you've been out and looking at these businesses? Well, I mean, you know, I've gone out to get food or I had to, I, I needed to go to a copy shop the other day because I needed to use their computer to scan something and, you know, whatever. And, you know, I heard this person like steadily talking like the whole time, just like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, you know, you're projecting even like shouting and singing and those things are projecting more particles that we need, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And I'm like, this is annoying. And when I finally got up to the register, I needed to get something else. And uh, I saw this person who was an employee not wearing a mask and just 
talking and blathering and going up to people and just like every other employee in the store had a mask on, but this one didn't and was wow. being the most like verbose and in your face as of anyone. Did you say something? I didn't know, you know, I didn't even, I didn't want to start. I don't know. I didn't know what to do. No, mm-hmm. I wanted to stand there with my mask on and not talk to anyone, which is what my plan was originally, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I've thought about what to do. Like I, maybe I should write something back and say, you know, I, I won't be back there soon because this person was acting this way. You know, another, I want to uh, we're segue. We're going to talk about gardening later. I went to a garden store where ev- all the, people in the store who were customers are wearing their masks and the two people at the checkout at the register were wearing masks on their chin and no. talking to everyone like what point right did they, did they at least have the the plastic divider at the register no no not in this place. oh wow wow okay because yeah. i went i went to a garden store where every everybody had everybody was masked up and there was the plastic divider and all of that stuff and then I asked one of the the people working there to get me a bale of straw for mulching. And she had to go kind of dive underneath this gigantic tarp. And then that's when she pulled her mask down because I can imagine not being able to breathe on that fucking tarp. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, there have been some places that are great. You know, some food places will have the, the plastic shield and gloves and masks and they're efficient and quick and not trying to chat you up, you know. And they make you walk uh, in a designated path through the store, which I know other people are really bitching about because they because that way you don't get to you don't have cross you know, people walking at you in the store while you're yeah. walking up and down yeah. the aisle. I find uh, it confusing, but I'm catching on slowly. <laughs> Well, they have to mark it clearly. And also, it forces you to go up and down all the aisles, even if you don't want to. Yeah, mm. but usually you do that anyway. Well, at least I do. And and when I was, I had to do a Costco Well, that run. gets you to buy more things. Well, that too. But yeah. when, I, when I was doing my Costco run for the month this past week, they weren't making you, had, they didn't make you navigate okay. the store in a specific way. But every time I would get when I would cross past somebody else, we would both like turn our faces away, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like that. So I figured that, would, that helps. Yeah. And everybody was masked. Oh, like they don't let you in if you don't have a mask. You saw you Costco know. Kevin, right, on the news? No. no. What, what about Costco it, Kevin? Yeah, I don't know what that is. It was it was a guy who showed up at Costco and he I guess he had a whole palette of things that he had See, I'm not sure how this worked because he had a whole bunch of things that he wanted to buy. Oh, you know what? It might have been maybe he, he I don't know how how this <laughs> happened, but he had a bunch of things on like a pallet that he had bought. But the attendant had them and he was like, you need to put on a mask to come into the store. And he started filming because he thought he was showing himself to be like a great patriot, I think, okay. by like buying this. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the guy was like, sir, wear a mask. <laughs> And that's it, you know? And he was like, well, I woke up in a free country and blah, blah, blah. And the guy was like, well, sorry, you are not welcome here. And he just walked away and took his shit with him, you know? So I'm not sure how... paid for it? Uh, I, I, don't, I will find the, the footage of it, but yeah. um, I, I think kind of remember it for now. It. I didn't know he was named, they named him Kevin. Kevin is, is the male version of Karen. I okay. guess so. <laughs> but I, um, and I was, I was talking to, 
the woman checking me out of Costco and mentioning, because I have a, a Facebook friend who works at a retail hardware store chain, and she regales us with the the abuse that gets heaped on her on a daily basis when like they ask people to wear a mask or do things. And then she has to take it. And, and the woman said, at the, the Costco checkout woman was telling me, if anybody back sasses them, they they revoke their membership and they're banned from the store. Oh, that's good. The, that's their company policy. It makes me love Costco even more. She was saying that that actually in the store there was something that two people got into a fight over something, and they both got thrown out. So I wow. just wish I just wish that other retail places had the balls to you know to ban really obnoxious customers. I think that would go to to helping their staff be keep their mental health. Right, you know, right. you know I, I'm I'm thinking, I'm wondering like why this is bugging people so much and it doesn't bother me. And I realized, well, I went to Catholic school. I was I was told <laughs> what to do for 12 years, you know. They said, wear this, wear that, don't have your skirt too long. I said, okay, okay, okay. So, you know, when they say wear a mask, I say, okay. Well, you it's know, the doesn't... signs the signs that say no shoes, no shirt, no service. Yeah. It's, you know, like, dude, you have to wear a mask. You have to wear fucking shoes. It's the yeah. same shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's not about, I don't know, the, the, the issue is getting, like, co-opted. It's not about, like, someone taking freedoms away, really. It's like... I think it's, I I understand what you said about like lack of compassion, Wendy, because I think that's the idea of it. It's like, let's, there's a thing that's happening right now. It's not good. Let's all take care of each other. It's, it's, and and I think people are resistant to that. We don't have leadership. Yeah. Yeah. That, and also we have Fox News telling people in wrong information. Yeah. You know, saying it's a whole hoax and everything. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and honestly, during a time of crisis is when the nation's supposed to come together and put all these differences aside and, you know, the, the singing and the kumbaya and all that shit. And none of that's happened. Weirdly enough, I had that same fantasy, Wendy. I thought, <laughs> I thought it would be yeah. like World War II where people are like, okay, we got to beat this together kind of a thing, you know? Yeah, that's what, I mean, if we had, if we had decent leadership, I think that's kind of where we would be. But I, there was one thing I read this morning in just one of my friends writing in my Facebook memories, and it was about, it was from a couple of years ago, and it was probably after some incel shot up a bunch of random women because he couldn't get laid. I, I think that was the context. And she said one thing, a narcissist doesn't care if they're getting attention for good reasons or bad reasons. They just want the attention. They just yeah, want the true. attention. So I put that in my head in context of our president. Oh, yeah. So he doesn't care if, you know, he doesn't care. It's just people are focused on him and, and that's all he cares about for whatever reason. Yeah. So if they're focused on him because hundreds of thousands of people are dying, then fine. They're paying attention to me. It's all supply, right? Yeah. <laughs> it really makes me sick, but... Yeah. Well, we're going to have happy things on our Facebook page in June. <laughs> yeah. Can I, can I throw in a Facebook thing, too, though? Uh, sure. This is uh, upsetting. But a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, uh, an acquaintance of mine 
uh, that somebody I used to work with who moved out of state and on Facebook, he asked me to join a group. It was called, what are you cooking today? And <laughs> I joined. And Sounds like a minefield. <laughs> no, no, it's the oh, nicest okay. thing there are now. Now, this was just like three weeks ago that I joined. It, there was a dozen people. There's now 500 people in this group. And wow. everybody's very nice. Nobody's talking about top politics and nobody's bitching or complaining. They're all just saying, oh, look what I made this morning. Look what I had for breakfast. Okay. <laughs> it's it's food porn. And, but they convinced me to buy an air fryer. Nice. Okay. Well, I, you know, that's, I think that's good to have something that's just peaceful and easy you know yeah it's it's a little blanket 40 yeah okay that's good i was expecting that to go in a completely different direction oh, no. <laughs> that's cool so on our facebook page in june we since the pride parades are not a thing this year unfortunately people have been doing some different you know, uh, Zoom prides and all these kinds of things. But we decided to dig up some old photos from Pride's past. Yes. So uh, join our Facebook page at facebook.com slash leftscape and, uh, you know, check out some of the photos we have and share some. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to make it festive. Yeah, yeah let, it, let us see your pictures. Yes. Yeah, Robin and I went to the New York Pride the year when the United States passed the marriage equality bill and that parade, I took so many, I think I filled up my entire memory. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We'll definitely have some from there. I'm going to try to find some old ass pictures from, I don't know where we'll see what, see what I find. (laughs) It'll be fun. So that's all the news we can handle today. Hello. We want to thank you so much for listening to The Leftscape and for being someone out in the world thinking about, talking about, and crafting the shape of progressive conversation. We love creating this show for you, and we hope you find value in the discussions we bring to the table. If you do, please take a moment right now, go to your Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. If you can, make it five stars. Good reviews really help us reach more people engaged in politics and culture like you. Thanks so much for helping us get the word out about the Leftscape. Hi, this is Robin Oaks, educator, activist, writer, all around by Diva. You are listening to The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. This podcast is sponsored by that old can of, I'm not sure what it is. Now that you've eaten everything else, look in the back, way back. Yes, there it is that old can of, I'm not sure what it is, on sale three years ago at a grocery store near you. And now, back to our podcast. I am really happy to have Dwayne Smith here today on The Leftscape Uh, Dwayne is a PhD student in computational social science at George Mason University. His primary areas of research are criminal justice policy reform, restorative justice initiatives, and the impacts of public policy on economically disadvantaged people and black communities in the U.S. That's already a lot, but then outside of academics, he works as a cybersecurity engineer. 
He's an avid pilot, a politics junkie, an outdoorsman, a fitness competitor, and a jiu-jitsu athlete. So, hi, hi, Dwayne. Hey, Robin. How's it going? Good. It's really good to talk to you. That was a whole lot of mouthful that you had to say. <laughs> right. I almost got through it. So, I, I really appreciated uh, running into you. I first encountered your work when you were a presenter at the Poly Living Conference in Philadelphia back in February. Yeah, and uh, you were talking about implicit bias at that event. Uh, so that was that was really cool. Do you want to say a bit about that? Or um, yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you uh, liked the workshop. Um, it was about implicit bias in dating and how all of our sometimes our implicit desires and implicit biases that we have manifest themselves in our dating choices or our sexual preferences. So. The topic was about identifying those implicit biases and working through them or around them if you can. That's pretty much what that was about. And it was good. We had a good showing. Yes. (laughs) A lot of good stories. People have all kinds of tales for sure, Um, as I know you do and I I do too. (laughs) Yeah, it manifests itself. You'd be surprised how often you, you run into that when you're trying to just live and date, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. So you you definitely wear a lot of hats, as we mentioned at the beginning. And um, one of the things that you told me you're doing, which I'm very interested in, is that you are working on a book project. And that's about conflict revolution. Uh, revolution. Yes. No. Conflict yeah. resolution. <laughs> and uh, I just wondered if you want to tell us a little bit about that. Maybe like what inspired that? Um, Sure. So the book itself I'm working on with a partner of mine named Lori Carpenter. She's a life coach and just an awesome person. Uh, And the book isn't actually about conflict resolution. It's about, um, so I'll tell you the story about how it came about first, and then we'll talk about the book. That works. (laughs) So um, Lori and I were hanging out one day uh, on our back porch, beautiful sunny day, just talking and shooting the shit about our relationships. And we just time after time, we kept referencing things that we've learned during our polyamorous journey that we wish we knew while we were monogamous and like how some of our mono friends come to us for like relationship advice. So we decided to write a book about it, about uh, things that we've learned only through exposure from polyamory that would be helpful to monogamous relationships. It's not a book about trying to say every mono person needs to be poly. That's uh, explicitly what it's not. But it's a book about um, taking these concepts and applying them to your monogamous relationship because realistically in our society, we don't teach each other or ourselves about dating or about forming good relationships. And one of those topics was about conflict resolution that I was planning to present at Poly Living Rocky Mountain before before the Rona, right? Yeah. <laughs> so there's uh, the before and the now, and hopefully we'll be an after. <laughs> hopefully we'll see. Maybe next be. year. Yeah. I'm yeah, looking yeah. at 2022. It looks really good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But but yeah. Um, so what we did was we talked about conflict resolution. We came up with a framework on how to identify conflict and actually work through it with your partners or anyone you're having conflict with in a, uh, a stepwise manner, so to speak. So you can step through 
a process instead of just winging it, right? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that sounds that sounds cool. What are the the main concepts? So uh, we talk about it, and what I was going to present at Poly Living Rocky Mountain Mountain was uh, resolving conflict like lovers. So there is an acronym we made: L O V E R S. Um, listen, observe, validate, evaluate, resolve, and schedule. The first thing being listen, right? You want to sit down with your partner or whoever you're having a conflict with and listen. And not listen to reply, but listen to hear what the person is saying and understand what they're saying. The second step, O, is observe, right? Because most of communication is nonverbal, right? So actually, while you're actively listening to your partner, observe them, watch them, watch and see if, try to gain clues if what they're saying isn't necessarily what they mean and try to like understand what they mean. And that means asking the question, you're saying this, do you mean that? And making sure you have that full understanding of what they're trying to say. The third step is validate. Most people, when they have grievances or issues, they are all valid. What they're feeling is valid. It may not be right. It may not be correct, but it's valid because they are feeling it. So validate their feelings and where they stand. And with the first two steps, listening and observing, you probably have an understanding of where their feelings and where they stand came from. So you want to validate that and make sure you start at that point, moving to the next step, which is evaluating the situation. So when you're evaluating the situation, both of you are coming to a head and saying, well, this is actually what's happening. This is what I'm asking for. or This is what I'm wanting or this is what you're wanting and this is what I'm not doing. So when you're evaluating, you're trying to look at it from that outside view and understand what the actual issue is. The next step is resolving. So when you resolve an issue or a conflict of any sort, you're making a series of negotiations, right? And these negotiations should not be, well, you do this, I don't want you to do that. They should be more of more give and take, just like we we say with all negotiations, right? This is my part of the issue, and this is where I see your part was. I think that I can solve your issue, or I can help your issue by doing this. And I think that, or I would like you to help me by doing that. And you kind of negotiate there. You start where what you need, what the other person needs, and you kind of try to meet halfway. And that's a good resolution. Again, a series of negotiations. Not everyone is going to, um, you're not going to get everything you want and you shouldn't want your partner to try to cede to your every whim, right? So you wanna meet in that middle. And then finally, once you've found a resolution, you want to schedule. Schedule a check-in at some point in the future and stick to it, right? We're all poly or poly people are good at Google calendars. Not, <laughs> not all poly people, but I mean, it's a thing. That right? is the stereotype, yes. Yes, exactly. That's, a, that's for the reason, right? Yeah. For a reason. But schedule a time to check in 
a week, two weeks, whatever time when you have time and say, this was working, this wasn't working, this might work better if that, and actually do it. Actually check in and come back. Nobody wants to come back to a problem, right? You kind of want to like forget it ever existed and keep going about your life, right? And ignore it, right? Especially after you've come to a resolution, you want to ignore it. But that's no good because if the resolution isn't working or something needs to be tweaked, you have to address it again or else it will cause the same issue down the line. So schedule a time in the near future to come back to it and talk about it and have a conversation and communicate, this is working, this is not working. We can both do better here or even not even what's the negatives. You can discuss the positives. Hey, I really like that you're doing this now. Thank you very much. And that can be the end of the conversation, right? But schedule, check in with each other and schedule. So that is how you resolve conflict like lovers. <laughs> nice. So I have a question. I want to go back to uh, validate for a second. Yes. Um, you mentioned that, you know, you know, you recognize the feelings, but that they may not be right. So I know that sometimes people say feelings aren't really right or wrong. They just exist. So I wonder what you meant by that or how that you. That's fair. That. I, I fully believe that. Feelings aren't facts, right? They, they're how they feel. They're how a person feels about a situation. They're not always how I feel about a situation may be informed by tons of childhood trauma or child uh -huh. trauma from two weeks ago. And it might actually not be a real valid uh, it, it My feeling is valid, but it might, might not be based on an accurate assessment of the situation at hand, right? Got it. <laughs> so, um, validate. So it could be a reaction to something that's not necessarily what's happening right there. Yes, it could be a disproportionate reaction, right? Mm -hmm. But it's still valid because I still have these feelings, right? If you and I are dating and I have really big feelings about you li literally spilling milk, you know, then. <laughs> my feelings are valid because they exist, right? I really dislike that you spilled the milk. I am heartbroken. There is no more milk because you spilled it. But is that actually, you know, is that feeling, that valid feeling proportional to what happened? Like we can go to a store and get more milk, you know, it's right down the street. Right, so right. <laughs> uh, so um, while feelings are valid, you want to make sure you're validating those within your partner. Like, I understand that you feel this way and I get, I, I'm trying to understand where those feelings come from and your feelings are valid. Cool. And okay. Here's still the issue or whatever the case may be. You can validate someone's feeling and tell them that how they perceive the situation is not factual because those two things can coexist, right? Right. That makes sense. I read a really good book about that. I actually read it about once a month or listen to it called I Hear You. And I forget the author's name escapes me, but it's just all about validation. It's a quick four hour listen on Audible or some kind of streaming app. Um, and it's phenomenal. And I, I'm not one to reread books, but I listen to that book about every month. It's life changing. It's made all my relationships better. I highly recommend it. Cool. Thank you. I'll try to find a link to that and uh, put it in our show notes for sure. 
So how did polyamory highlight these ideas for you? Or these uh, ideas? Um, for, sorry, you said how did polyamory highlight these ideas for me? Yeah, like how did, in, in specific, like you said that uh, you and your writing partner are um, found polyamory to sort of bring these up for you, where in, in monogamous relationships in the past, they didn't really manifest. Um, so that's actually a really good question. So when I was in monogamous relationships, I was kind of like serial monogamy, one monogamous relationship, then the next, then the next. And I didn't, I was kind of just dating whoever, whoever was available, whoever would date me, I was dating them. And I wasn't, now that I am polyamorous or identify as polyamorous, I date multiple people. If I'm dating somebody who's actually draining my emotional energy or is is not good for me in a variety of ways, you know, I end the relationship, right? Because all relationships are voluntary. So what polyamory did for me really was uh, kind of forced me to understand that one, your time is finite, so so schedule, but two, uh, you it is okay to have options and it is okay to explore options. And uh, it is also okay to be in relationships and explore. And if it doesn't work to end relationship, I, uh, we refer to that in the book as dating intentionally, right? Mm -hmm. When I am dating somebody, I am, when I'm courting them, when we're just talking, I'm trying to figure out, find out if they're a good match for me. When we're going out on dates and hanging out, I'm trying to understand who they are as a person and what what their traumas are and what red flags they may have. Um, and when I am in a relationship, committed relationship with them, I am intentionally moving that relationship towards, you know, a deeper level of commitment. And that wasn't something that I really understood when I was monogamous. And my friend, Lori, she didn't understand it really when she was monogamous. And a lot of our friends, didn't, our mon monogamous friends don't really understand that. It's like, you know, the time management piece, the emotional investment piece, the emotional intelligence piece, and those, all of those small things are magnified when you're mm -hmm. dating multiple people, right? Mm -hmm. So until I was poly and all of these things were magnified and I realized, hey, I'm dating all kinds of wrong. I didn't <laughs> really understand that, right? Because the things aren't magnified when you're dating one person, they just exist. But when you're dating two, three, four people, those things add up, right? So that's why polyamory brought about these, I don't want to say good and I don't want to say they're better than any other relationship uh, types, but these good traits that help me have positive, intentional relationships that I had no clue about. That's really cool. It's it's good to recognize when um, your, your experiences bring something new, you know, and you're able to see that. And I find it interesting that a lot of people, I think, uh, an assumption could be that poly people are less serious because they're just like all over the place or something like that. And it's, it's almost, it's really for many of us quite a, an opposite experience or very different than the, than what's perceived by people who don't really understand the community. 
Absolutely. Uh, I have never had more serious relationships in my life before polyamory. And that's not to say that I didn't date people seriously or I never loved anybody. But um, I saw a meme the other day and it said, you know, polyamory really lets me know how much my partner wants me in their life because they have other partners that they could spend their time with, yet they choose to spend time with me and prioritize that and schedule with me repeatedly. No matter who they're dating, you know, they could have Jason Momoa. They still choose to date me at some point. You know, I don't know if they would if they had Jason Momoa, but like they give me time when they have other awesome people in their lives. And my partners, my metas are phenomenal. So like my partners have other awesome people in their lives and they still choose to date me. That says more about my value to my partner than if I was monogamous and only believe that my partner should only be with me, right? That's right. Now I know it's an active choice. Yes, yes. And meta or metamore is uh, your partner's partner for people who are not familiar with the poly lingo. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. So. My partner's partners are, are pretty great people. Yeah, that's cool. So um, I really, I like this, your acronym, your lover's process of communication. Um, can it be applied to other situations like a non-romantic or business or family how do you how, can you adjust it to that kind of yes ab- absolutely so yeah the the framework can be adjusted to any type of interperson interpersonal uh, conflict that you have with a coworker you know Jason from accounting or uh, Beth from from the IT department but it does take the willingness of both parties both parties to sit down and work it out Right. So while it you can use it with acquaintances and office um, workers, I validate my I val- when I have conflict with my coworkers, I validate what they say. And I use the framework kind of like in the background, but it does take that willingness to sit down and discuss what's happening and find a resolution and move forward with it. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, you know, because I was thinking I was thinking exactly that, actually, that. You know, I think a lot about the political conflicts that we have in the world right now and and in the U.S. specifically. And it's hard. Well, it's great. It's great when you have people who have different ideas but are similar enough that you can sit down and kind of find a framework that works and you could talk about mm-hmm. some things. And I think it it could work, say, among people who are left leaning, who have different strategy ideas and can sit and talk about how to how to best do something, yeah. you know, or if feelings get hurt for some reason, you can feel committed to sitting down and working through that with someone. Um, I, I have, I don't know, and, and I think you're saying it wouldn't work with people who are like really opposed to each other Yes, in, in a political spectrum. So I'm not sure what what the solutions are for that. But I don't know. Maybe you have another I, book in you. Um, no, I think that's beyond me. I don't. <laughs> I don't think I'll be able to figure that one out. Um, but I can. I can talk about relationships and coworkers. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. political. That's a place discord, to start. That's a good place to start for sure. It is the political discord. I think is is a little bit beyond lovers. Um, 
in my opinion. I've got big feels and big opinions about that that I'm not going to go into. But haters, yeah. you're working on the haters book now. <laughs> to be after. <laughs> yeah, the sequel, lovers, haters. Yeah. <laughs> That's wow. hilarious. All right. Oh well. Do you have a timeline when we'll be able to get this book? Or are you teaching it anywhere in the meantime? So, um, not in the meantime, I was supposed to talk about Lovers, the conflict resolution framework at Poly Living Rocky Mountain. That's gotten moved to September, and I don't think I'll be able to attend that. Um, but the book, both of us, both me and Lori are busy, so the book's probably going to be finished sometime around the end of the year. I'm kind of wrapping up the PhD stuff, and she's wrapping up her life coaching certifications and all of, all of those things. But um, you can look forward towards the end of the year um, for to be finished around the fall and published around that time after some editing and revising. So yeah, I'm really excited about that. And I'll be trying to um, get into conferences wherever I can. My academic stuff kind of comes first, but I'll be in conferences talking about it or things, something, whatever I can find. <laughs> great, great. Well, we will definitely keep in touch with you and uh, let people know when the, the book is on its way. And in the meantime, listeners can hopefully use some of these principles in their communications uh, to make things work a little better. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with us? I, um, I hope so, too. Yeah, this framework is, is a good framework, and it's really it's really helped me in relationships. One of my partners through a conflict actually said, you know, you wrote this in a book about conflict resolution. We need to use this framework. And, and so we did. And it, it does work. I, I've, trust me, there's conflict in every relationship. So I, I can tell you from experience, it does work. Um, it works if you apply it, just like anything else you do if you apply. But I do want to give a shout out to my a uh, friend, Lori Carpenter, and her consulting gig. It's What If Consulting. If you look her up on Instagram, at What If Coaching, and her website, discoverwhatif.com. Um, I wanted to give her a shout out because she's an amazing person and a great life coach. You guys should check her out. Awesome. Thank you. And how about you? Is there a best way to reach you or just uh, look out for the book? <laughs> you can reach me. I'm on Twitter at future Dr. Smith one Dr. Smith one and instagram is the same i believe so you can find me there and my public facing facebook is Dwayne smith you can find and follow my academia um, i'm not really good at the social media thing i'm not going to lie so, <laughs> but if you engage with me i'll engage back awesome thank you so much awesome. good talking thank with you thank you uh it was great talking with you i hope you have a good saturday and Stay healthy, I guess, is how you have to say your goodbyes nowadays, right? <laughs> yes, be well. Hello, this is Robin Renee. You can find me online at robinrenee.com. And my music is on iTunes, CD Baby, Pandora, Spotify, and elsewhere around the web. So check it out. And you can like me at facebook.com slash Fan. Tweet at me at spiritrocksexy. And follow me on Instagram at Music. I would love to hear from you. This podcast is sponsored by not looking at the news until after 5 p.m. Working at home 
Want to get anything done today? Maybe you should consider not looking at news until after 5 p.m. Daily users report lower blood pressure and higher productivity. On sale now, wherever and whenever you have the discipline. And now back to our podcast. So I'm guessing we're putting this in the Geekscape category, but I have been digging my hands in the dirt and trying to get plants to grow. Every time I plant a seed or I'm watering my seedlings in February, I have that song from On a Clear Day You Can See Forever in my head. Hurry, uh-huh. it's, it's lovely up here. And, and it's, was it the character played by Barbara Streisand singing? And I'm not going to sing the song now, but she's singing to her plants to grow, to get them to grow. And I, and that's always playing in my head when I'm watering my stuff. Since I've had a yard, I've always, and especially since I've had a yard with a small child, I've always been growing, you know, easy things like carrots or strawberries or whatever. And, but this year, because we seem to be at the beginning of the apocalypse, I, I decided that we need to up our up our uh, home gardening game because who knows how the food supply is going to be. <laughs> Although there's like no way we can, if I have to live off of the stuff I'm growing in my yard, we're going to be starving. But, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to get to the point where it, it's going to actually make a difference in our our food consumption i have all these things happening we planted three fruit trees this year and there's so much that i didn't know that i'm learning mostly from youtube (laughs) youtube videos for example i yeah i planted this apple tree that has four different varieties of apples on it. For these things, they have a, a the root stock, like the main trunk of the tree is one kind of tree, and then they graft branches from other trees onto it, and they grow and they live and they're happy. So I have four different varieties of apples growing on this one apple tree that I got at Home Depot, so cool. believe it or not. Yeah, I, I was very surprised to see that when I saw it there. I said, holy shit, we're getting this. How is it doing? It's well, I thought it was doing great. And then it was covered with flowers. And then the flowers, each of the flowers has the potential to become an apple. And if you just leave them alone, you're going to get a lot of apples, but they're going to be small. And, and it could also weigh the branches down and they could break. So apparently you have to, in each little cluster of blossoms or, or small fruitlets, you have to this is where that phrase nip in the bud comes from because you have to nip oh, the buds. You have to take right. them off. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so you didn't do that? I you're do the now is the time to do that. I was doing it actually this morning. So YouTube taught me that out of the cluster of like like there'll be like five or six blooms that are trying to be apples in a little cluster. And there's one that's going to be bigger than the other, and that one's called the king fruit. And that's the one you keep and you get rid of all the other ones. And right. and then you have to give it like six inches of branch space before you get another apple where you want it to grow. So I'm sitting there nipping buds and I'm noticing some of these baby apples had this slimy red shit on it. And I like the first one I kind of ignored and I cut the thing off. And then the second one, I moved some of the slime and I saw a little hole and right. I'm going, oh, I think something put up put a bug in there uh, and 
and I did some research and there's apparently a moth whose name escapes me right now that, that likes to do that. So, and then I found some leaves with some little tiny white things on them that kind of jumped away. Yes. So so there's all kinds of, the apple tree has like issues already. So, you know, we're dealing with that. And now I'm on the, I'm on the hunt for a big container of ladybugs and a couple of praying mantis egg cases. That's one of the things I, I like to do in a garden is, is, release a bunch of predatory insects to eat all the bad insects <laughs> i don't want to use pesticides where do you get a container of ladybugs a uh, garden center oh yeah yeah see i love that you're I, a garden geek because i learned all these things from you i didn't know that <laughs> well the first time i did it i ordered them i think from like burpee seeds or one of the live plant places and they sent me like this little plastic container like like you'd get soup from a Chinese restaurant in one of those little plastic cups with a lid. And you, you said, you t- they say, put it in the refrigerator until you're ready to release them. And I remembered this is, this is year, like gotta be 30 years ago at this point, or maybe 40 years, something would be 30, 40 years ago. So I opened the container in the house. Uh, the ladybugs were not quite as dormant oh no. as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. They started like crawling up my arm, like, Hundreds of them. And then, mommy, mommy. And, <laughs> no, and if they were anything other than ladybugs, I would have freaked the hell out. But ladybugs don't bother me. So it's like I calmly took everything outside and I brushed them all off of me and then it was fine. <laughs> so I don't do that. I know better now not to open the thing in the house, but damn. And then I also, one year I had, you know, the praying mantis egg cases and there was a younger one on my my door on the screen and i said oh he's cute and i picked it up or she and and it's like chilling on my hand and it's crawling up my finger and then it decides to take a bite at Ouch. My finger and it drew wow. blood oh my god so yeah they're they're kind of like you leave those guys <laughs> <laughs> cautionary tales I had no idea they could just do that, you know, and I don't know why I didn't think that because it's like, you know, mosquitoes can get through your skin. All kinds of animals can get through your skin. I don't know why I thought, oh, it's a late, it's a praying mantis. It's so cute. Well, some of the things like, I guess because some things are pretty harmless and we live in an area where, I mean, you can get bit by things, but we don't have extreme insects and snakes (laughs) and things to the level of some other people. (laughs) you know so i i'm a little trusting of most creatures yeah in a lot of ways that's you know (laughs) so what well what else grows well i'm sorry mary go ahead oh no i was gonna i think i was gonna ask the same thing you were gonna ask so go ahead and i want to know what you think grows easily first of all uh in general in new jersey and in sandy soil in particular if you have ideas oh Uh, asparagus blueberries and asparagus yes sandy soil and and grapes we had to put we had to mix sand in with the one grape vine that rich mowed over a month ago and now i have two other ones so and he says he can save the one he killed so <laughs> we'll see if it comes yeah, back and rebuild it yeah and but so now we're gonna have like all these grapes everywhere yeah. um, i'm gonna have to make wine uh, they're not wine well i don't think they're wine grapes they're the the ones the two that are that are going in the ground when I get done with this recording session are Thompson's. They're the green table oh, yeah. grapes. Those are yeah, what we I like. like yeah. 
and the other ones are these little tiny red grapes that aren't wine grapes either and that i have learned you have to prune back really severely every fall so the cut and then the cuttings that you do from the prunes you from the pruning you can propagate into more plants so everybody's getting grapes i'm down with that that's cool i've got some wild grapes growing around my yard because i i thought they were coming from vineyards that are nearby i'm not sure or if they they might have another source it could have escaped from somewhere else but but I've made some jelly based on the things that I just found growing o- o- over my bushes and other places where they're not really supposed to be, <laughs> which is interesting. <laughs> but no, I grow mint and lemon balm, and I've got some raspberries out there that my old housemate planted that are that do really well, and some other things. I've got a few tomato plants growing, but there are other, you know, there are other things that I'm going to stick in the ground that are late, but we'll see how they do. But I don't know. Uh, yeah, asparagus sounds. I would enjoy growing that actually. Mm. Asparagus is kind of a pain in the butt because you get them the um, second year. Is that right? So the first. Well, you, I get the well the ones I got the ones I I I planted some and they for a year or two they were okay and then they kind of petered out and then I planted a couple more. I have like one purple plant. Then I just bought a bunch of new roots, but they say don't. And I guess they're. They're new, new roots because they're saying the first year don't even harvest mm. them. So they're just growing. And, and actually, I have a lot of those. I, the, two of the fruit trees, like the cherry tree isn't going to give me fruit for another four more years. And the nectarine tree probably at least, it, well, it had flowers, but they didn't, I guess they didn't pollinate or they're not turning into fruit. So I'm hoping I don't need a second tree for mm. that. It said it was self-pollinating, so we'll see. But they're they're much smaller than the apple tree, so they're going to take a while to get results. And I've gotten, I think I've gotten better with companion planting. That was uh, my next question. Oh, okay, what's your question? What do you plant near what? Because last time I tried to do this, I didn't do a garden last year, but the year before, I was outside asking Siri questions. Like I had my <laughs> I'm like Siri, what can I plant near tomatoes? <laughs> you know, and it was like really funny. Well, apparently asparagus is good to plant your tomatoes. So I moved my tomatoes into the asparagus bed. They're not completely intermingled. They're just like sharing the bed. And I think I could actually put a tomato plant in between the two rows of asparagus or maybe two tomato plants. And then I think they would do good. So around tomatoes, root vegetables are good. I plant onions a lot around a lot of things because it kind of deters squirrels and rabbits and i've been blaming the squirrels for things when it's actually the rabbit who was very bold this a few days ago walked right up to like within seven feet of us just usually you know well we were standing we weren't really moving but it just walked past us real slow and he's looking very fat and happy because he ate all my cucumbers all of them. And I'm really mad about that because that's something, you know, like how we couldn't find toilet paper two months ago. Well, right now you cannot find a cucumber plant seedling at any garden store within five miles of my house. Hmm. They're all gone. I was looking for it. Yeah, I didn't see any either. So I guess that's, that could be it. And yeah. this, I know I always uh, get started late. So I think people snag things before I get to there. But... Well, late is good this year because I, None of the stuff I put, I planted in the beds except for one sunflower seed had germinated. And I don't know if that's because the squirrels dug them all up or if it was too cold. 
because we've had a very cold spring. Mm. And, you know, it, even today it's kind of chilly and dismal, but it's, it's start. I, I think we're at the point where I can actually plant my beans. I need to make row covers out of chicken wire because I don't trust that rabbit anymore. Mm. Though I don't think the rabbit's living in the, the pile of, uh, in the mound where my tree used to be, where it spent the winter. And he goes between my yard and the, the place next door, like right through the fence. I, I kept calling him a he, but I think it's a she, because I know there was a few years ago, there was a bunch of baby bunnies like hanging out, like hiding on the edge of my strawberry patch. Mm -hmm. so, Good place. Good yeah. Place well, to it's, be. it's always, you know, Rich, I think, ran over a nest of oh. them once and, and that traumatized him. So he's always really careful. <laughs> like if the grass gets real tall, especially this time of year, you got to kind of walk walk your yard before you mow if your grass is very tall because there could be baby rabbits mm -hmm. chilling someplace. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. So the way that I get my, my geeky gardening satisfaction is that I grow mung bean sprouts and alfalfa sprouts inside in a mason jar. I love mung bean sprouts and, especially. Yeah, and, and I eat them and I can have like a jar going, growing while I'm eating the last jar and so yeah. I can rotate it. I also do canning. So when I get a decent tomato crop, I I have enough canned. To, I, I haven't got to the point where I have enough tomatoes to get me through. You're really ready for the bunker. Yeah. Well, I've been working on it for a while. I've been working on it for a while. You know, this I'm trying to get I'm trying corn again this year. The last time I tried corn, we Doesn't went on. Doesn't take up a lot of room? Uh, maybe I'm not growing a lot of corn. I'm growing like seven, eight years of corn as, as plants. It's not a lot. Um, yeah, to go through all that for eight years of corn. Well, you have to enjoy, if you enjoy gardening, then it's not. Yeah, you know, then it's, it's good. I got space. It's you know how many beans can I actually eat? <laughs> so it's, there's things I haven't learned yet. Like one year I grew, I like normally I grow bush beans, which are short. And they don't, it's not, you don't need like the pole. That's the other thing. Let's say the, the, the three sisters is the corn squash and beans that you're supposed to grow together. Cause the, the beans grow up the corn stalk mm. and the squash, I think keeps the ground covered. So weeds don't grow and they possibly that's, a, that's, a, that's like the traditional native American companion planting thing, the trifecta, mm -hmm. the, the triad. And I, so I grew these pole beans one year and I tried to keep them and I put them all in a jar and then they got moldy. So I don't know what I did wrong. I guess I had, there's something I didn't like, I probably should have dried them out somehow, which I didn't know how to do yet. So the beans dried out. I mean, the beans got moldy Yeah, and they were dry and yet. Moldy. Well, I don't know that they were dry. Oh. I put that. I, I tried I to dry beans on time and they molded as well. So it's, yeah, it's a yeah, weird. So I don't know. There's something. something I, yeah, I. This is like I am not. I am. I am not the the be all and end all in gardening here. I'm. I'm learning. Right. But uh, you know. But I do canning, and I've. I've figured out that if I do, if I process the tomatoes when they're ripe and delicious, and then I then I can make a ratatouille with. It's really easy because I don't have to deal with peeling the tomatoes and coring them because I've done that already. Okay. 
So what is what is the uh, we we see the product of the vegetables? That's something that you get out of doing all this work. What about mentally? What do you get out of doing this? It's it's nice. It's pleasant. You're outside, and and I hear I've read that you know putting your hands in soil is actually beneficial for your mental health because it does. I don't know. There's like some chemical thing that happens, but I'm also really appreciating you know the commercial farmers just from just from doing this one apple tree just from picking the buds i'm thinking i was thinking because i didn't get it done i I was out there for about an hour and i didn't get them all done and i'm thinking about an orchard a commercial orchard and they got to send i can't i can't even imagine how many people go out there like this time of year to pick the freaking buds off the apple trees. You know, it's like if you don't really know where your food come from, comes from, you really end up taking it for granted. And and all of the the people and the work and everything that goes into it, it it's not you don't think about it, you know. And then when you're doing it yourself, you, you think about it like holy shit, it's like I still don't understand how they get how they get onions as big as they get them. Yeah, that's it. So yeah, I'm growing <laughs> <Yeah>. small <laughs> carrots and onions if I if I grow them. Now, do you space things according to like what they say on seed packages, or do you give the, you give them more less space or more? Yes, I, I well, I I read in I have a book from the '70s about uh, it was a it's sort of pre, the pre raised bed, but it was like an early thing about raised beds, and it was more like these mounds, and they were talking about you plant denser for reason for the uh, for other reasons a lot of it is to control mm. weeds you know i'm probably not doing my tomatoes right yet i i'll get it i rich watched a couple of youtube videos and now he feels he's the expert <laughs> and he's talking about well we have to prune them we have to do this and that it's like okay okay <laughs> you know we have we haven't done any of that in the past we just sort of let things you know we water we feed them with fertilizer once in a while and then you know stuff happens like i like i didn't know there was a, a difference there's two different kinds of at least tomatoes and it probably works with other plants and they're called determinate and indeterminate. And a determinate tomato will grow a certain amount and then stop. An indeterminate tomato will keep growing forever until it freezes. Oh, and I didn't know that. Yeah. My cherry tomatoes and I, and I planted both kinds last year, which is why the cherry tomatoes went insane and I had I think you guys those were delicious. Yes, yeah, cherry tomatoes because they were just everywhere, and well, they were delicious. But those were indeterminate plants, and they will just keep growing and keep bearing fruit until they die. Uh, the determinate ones, I think, just grow a certain amount, and then that's what they do. They, they don't. They're not like viney. They don't just keep going everywhere. Um, and I and I didn't even notice that until this spring when I was putting the seeds in and I'm looking at the seed pack and it said determinate, indeterminate. I like, what the hell does that mean? And I looked it up and I'm going, oh, that explains quite a lot. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I looked this up and th- this was interesting to me. This is in permaculture.com.au uh, and it says getting your hands dirty in the garden can increase your serotonin levels. Contact with soil okay. and a specific soil bacteria, Mycobacterium vacciae, triggers the release of serotonin in our brain, according to research. Serotonin is a happy chemical, a natural antidepressant, and strengthens the immune system. So that's just a little blur. That's, a, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that, but it, it actually, it makes some sense to me. I like that. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. If you have gardening questions, I can try to answer them. 
but I will have gardening questions. <laughs> I'm talking to our <laughs> listeners too. All right, I'll get in um, line. I, <laughs> oh, also, I just want to throw out there: uh, nasturtiums are good to plant companion plant with a lot of different things, and they're edible flowers. Mm. And I have I've planted them uh, in a few places, and I haven't tried eating them yet, but because they just ma- each of them just made one flower, and I kind of want to wait. So yeah, I'm doing that too. And apparently, they come back and they kind of they want to try to take over where you planted them, which is fine because they're good companion. And I realized some of the companion plants you plant because they aren't competing for the same nutrients in the soil Mm -hmm. or they're replacing nutrients that the other plant is taking. So that's one reason to plant things together. The other reason is, and I think that's why you want to put marigolds in with a lot of stuff is because the marigolds will attract the aphids and the other bugs and leave the tomatoes alone, for example. Okay. And rabbits don't like important. them too. They heard that too. Yeah, the, uh, I heard that about rabbits. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I put <clears throat> that's why I put the onions around. And I had I have a couple of of onions and carrots that I didn't notice at the end of the fall last year that have come back. So they should they're going to be big. Those onions are going to be big. So now I'm thinking all of the commercial onion places they have to do it for two years mm-hmm. or some shit. I don't know. But I'm hoping these guys will get big because they're Vidalias. Awesome. All right. Thanks for your (laughs) knowledge, Wendy. (laughs) Well, you're welcome. And uh, tune in next time for something else. (laughs) The Garden Spot. You've been listening to the Leftscape Podcast. Sound engineering by Wendy Sheridan. Show notes by Robin Renee. Fake advertising written and recorded by Thomas Mincelli, hosted by InMotion, remote recording on Squadcast FM. Thanks for listening and tune in to our next show.